All right. Why don't you go and grab a seat? Things are going to be a little different today than uh, what you're used to, and that's an okay thing. I need to get this housekeeping piece out of the way right now. If you have a gluten allergy, you can't eat gluten at all, we, we want to be able to have you participate in this meal with us, um, but we don't want to kind of slow down during that time. So if you have a gluten allergy, if you could put your hand up in the air, somebody's going to come around and give you three crackers that you can use during that time. We got one up here. And, uh, and that way, when we get to that part, you're not scrambling or wondering, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? Uh, that sort of thing. Also, if there's two or one person at a table, Scott, move over there. <laughs> Lucky you. I know your name. Isn't that hairy? That's terrible. Like, I could pick him out. You! Um, okay, that's good. Combine tables as, as much as you can. We want to have six to seven at a table. If you can, leave one space open. That's really good. If it's not, that's okay. We'll work with that and go from there. But, welcome to Waypoint. Uh, my name is Blair. I'm one of the pastors here. And this morning, if you're new to Waypoint, you're about to get a little bit of flavor of who we are. Uh, one, we're not afraid to do some things differently. And uh, this, is, this is one of those examples. And the other thing you're going to learn about us is we kind of like... Um, how the history and the culture of Jesus' days plays into our understanding of the scriptures. And we want, we want to actually connect into that so that we can get a deeper understanding of what's going on. Now, uh, what we're planning to do this morning is a Passover meal. Uh, there'll, there'll be people coming in um, at all times because a lot of people are still on waypoint time. You are so good to be here, right? But people are going to come in and just let them have a seat or put them at your table and bring them up to speed as, as fast as possible. That'll be great. But we're going to try to practice a meal that's been done for thousands of years. It's been around um, a long time. It's still practiced today. Um, and what you have on your tables is more of a modern setup. It's not really connected uh, to what we had or to what they had back at the first Passover, but there's a lot of things that changed from the first Passover, and, uh, and so even some of the scholars don't know when some of these elements were added. Some we do know, and we'll tell you about them, uh, but uh, there's significance for the whole meal, and we thought we would at least give you some history as to how this got started in the first place, so that's where we're going to go. Um, if you think back uh, to Israel's history, they're in Egypt. They're slaves with no hope of ever being anything but a slave, except for the fact that God decides, I want to free you. I, I'm, I'm going to come to your aid, and I'm going to free you. And so he sends Moses to Egypt. Moses approaches Pharaoh and says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, that's never going to happen. That's not going to happen. And so God starts visiting plagues on Egypt. The first three happened to everybody, Israelite, um, Egyptian, everybody. Water was turned to blood, frogs everywhere, gnats everywhere. Have you ever had one of those days where a gnat flew up your nose? Imagine that on steroids, like they're everywhere. They're in, you can't get away from them. Flying in your eye, up your nose, in your ears, it would drive you insane. Now here's what happens though. Starting with the fourth um, plague, flies, 
God does something different. I want, I want um, you to hear this. This is in Exodus 8, verse 22. But on that day, I will deal differently with the land of Goshen. This should be easy for you to remember. Israel lived in the place called Goshen at the time and uh, where my people live. No swarms of flies will be there so that you will know that I, the Lord, am in this land. And, and starting with the fourth plague, God started to make a differentiation between the Egyptians and Israel. And for the next five plagues, they happen to the Egyptians, but they don't happen to the Israelites until the 10th plague. It's the worst one, too. Um, God says, hey, I'm going to bring a death angel into Egypt and the firstborn son of every family is going to die. I don't care if you're a slave. I don't care if you're the, the um, pharaoh. Your son is going to pass. In fact, it was so severe, the firstborn of every livestock was also going to die. All going to die. Now, the question that I think is a decent question is why? After God has shown that he can visit it on just the Egyptians and not the Israelites, with this, this plague that was horrible, death, why would it be on everybody? Why would that happen? Well, it's, um, here I think is a good reason. The ancient cultures uh, used images and pictures, metaphors, that they would use to recall things, tell stories, to remember stuff. And God put Israel in the middle of this story that they would then be asked to recall over and over and over again. They would be participants with taking and putting blood on their doorpost, and they would, they would want to remember all of this. And so we see in Exodus chapter 12 where God starts to give some details for what this Passover meal might look like, and he had, he had some instructions. It starts in verse 5. He says, the animal you choose must be a year old, Without defect, it had to be perfect. You may take either a sheep or a goat. So they had to find a perfect goat or a perfect sheep, and then this is what they had to do. Verse six, take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Um, they took that little animal and it lived in their house for a time so that you would grow attached to this. This sacrifice was personal. Like it meant something to you when this happened. Verse six, it goes on. Uh, verse seven, then you're to take some of the blood and put it on the sides of the doorposts of the house where they ate the lamb. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. And there begins the first Passover. You, you see it um, kind of instituted. Now, there were other instructions that night, too. For the first Passover, um, they would have had, um, I'm, it's not a gown, but it, uh, we would have understood it as that, a robe that would have gone to their feet. They were supposed to eat that meal with it tucked in so that they could walk. It wouldn't impede their, their movement. They had to have sandals on their feet. They had to eat in haste. They were eating this quickly because God wanted them ready to go out the door, head down the street. And the question is, why? Well, what if, what if God had in mind 
a bigger picture that he wanted to leave other than just you're free from slavery. See, I think what um, we're about to take part in right here, the reason God put Israel back in that story, back in line to face that 10th plague of death, is because this is a story about mankind. It's a story about you and me and the fact that we face death and there would be no hope for us to overcome it except that God decides to do something about it on our behalf. And, and if, you, um, if you take this Passover meal that we do right now and it's just the thing that you have fun with and it's enjoyable, you'll miss the whole point of this. By the way, there are millions of people around the world who currently do this meal every year who just see it as a nice tradition. The symbolism, the images that are here um, don't connect into their lives in any sort of meaningful way. And I would hate for that to be a part of what you experience here today. I'm hoping that you pay attention to the images and that you put yourself in the picture. And the more you do that, the better off you'll be. Now, now listen, the Passover would normally take two to three hours. We're going to try to do it in 50 minutes. I don't know if we can pull that off or not, um, but we're going to give you as many pictures as we can. We're going to walk you through some stuff. We, we've um, got notes here that we can follow along with. This is not a meal that we're used to practicing. We've just done a lot of research on it, and it's done in a lot of different ways. Um, but I'm hoping uh, that you'll get into it. And there's going to be some places where we need people to participate. Don't hesitate. Just jump in and go because it's going to make it, um, this more of an engaging process for you. Now, um, you see Tracy messing around over here. Um, I, didn't, I didn't give her anything to exactly clean with, but just so you understand how a modern Passover would work right now, a week before the Passover would take place in a, in a home, uh, the person um, in that home, I'm sometimes the whole family, will clean that home for up to a week. They'll take Q-tips and toothpicks, and they are going to immaculately clean that house, and they're looking for one thing, leaven. The leaven can't be in the bread. It was one of the things you saw in the scriptures. This should not be in the bread, right? I don't want that uh, to be a part of this. And leaven in the scriptures is used as a symbol of sin. And so this, this home will be dedicated to this idea of cleaning whatever sin, even the smallest amount that could be in the home, out. And so that's where I want to start this morning. I want to start by giving you 30 seconds just to be quiet, to bow your head. And if there's something that you have to clean up between you and God, I want you to start there because that's where this meal starts. I want to make my heart right before God so I can really understand where I find myself in this picture. So we're going to give you 30 seconds um, to do some house cleaning. Okay, 
your house is clean, you're all at the table ready to go, and the meal would start this way. I've asked Tracy to help me um, this morning. She's gonna help me with this first part and a bunch of other things as well, but this first part has to be done with a lady, so we're gonna let the lady start. Good morning. All right, so as you're all sitting around the table, you're kind of relaxing. Maybe we're just sitting around um, reclining at the table is what they would call it um, back in the day, but we're just sitting now relaxing, and Blair will talk about why we're reclining or relaxing at the table later. But for every table that we have, I need for one lady, if you would please stand up, and you will be the guinea pig. Hope you get to stand up, if you could. And if you don't have a lady at your table, you can borrow from someone else's table, or you can combine tables, because you don't want to do yeah, this Yeah, if you're alone. a group of all guys, grab another lady. You can't yeah. do this. Yep, we need a lady at your table, so I need someone to be brave and stand up. Has everyone got a lady standing up? I can sort of see into the darkness. Okay, so the next chore that you get to do is super easy. Find the matches on your table. Just make sure you have them in your hand, and then we're going to dim the lights. The lights are dim. The lights are dimmed. Oh, okay, the lights are dim. And then you get to play with matches and light the two candles in the middle. So we're just going to light these candles. All right. And try not to burn anything down, but, yeah, just put it somewhere. All right. And as the ladies are standing, I would like all of the ladies to say this prayer with me. I think it's going to go up on the screen. And we're going to say it together. Are you ready? Blessed are you. Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and commanded us that we kindle the holiday lights. Thank you, ladies, so much. You are welcome to sit. Okay, so why would they start the table this way, with a woman standing up and lighting it when everyone else was sitting at the table relaxing? Well, we can think about pictures and images and one of the images is that Mary was a woman who brought Jesus the light into the world. She was willing that she would be looked at with shame or that she was willing to carry the Savior in her in a very uncommon way. So there is something that Simeon said about Jesus when he saw him and held him in the temple. And that is from Luke 2, verse 32. We have to remember that he has said, a light, Jesus is a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. So this Passover starts with a woman, woman bringing light, and our freedom comes from this light. Okay, I need a guy, a guy at the table to stand up and take the, um, one of the cups and hold it up. So if you're a guy, yeah, I'm talking to you. You can arm wrestle if you have to, but find one guy, yep, yeah, stand, hold the cup. They're standing so much faster. All right, that's good, that's good. Okay, guy, we're gonna, guys, we're going to do a blessing over this cup. It's going to be on the side screens, and we're going to repeat this blessing before we do anything with it. Ready? Go. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. Now, this first cup is called Kaddish. This is a cup of thanksgiving, which might seem a little odd, because Israel is still in slavery except the way they looked at this is they had made it to this place where God was able to save them. They could have been destroyed already, and so they have this moment of thanksgiving, and there's another prayer before they distribute this. Okay, so we're gonna say this, this prayer on the side screen. Um, Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has kept us in life, 
sustained us and enabled us to reach this season. Now, you will distribute this to everybody at the table. Just put a little bit in their table. And then when everybody's got some, you'll all take it together. And after you do, I want to share with each other one thing you're thankful for. One thing that you're thankful for. The cup of Kaddish. And you can bring the lights up a little bit more, too, so we can see people. That might be helpful. That way I can call Scott Virgil out if I see him in the audience. Uh, Guys, you can sit down. As soon as you've distributed it, then you can take the cup together and then tell each other one thing that you're thankful for, okay? All right, so now go ahead and find the wipes that are at the table and wash your hands with the wipes. And this is actually cheating because if you were actually in a home, then you would, you would actually have your hands washed with water over them in a basin and it would be poured over your hands. So we're just going to wipe our hands with the wet wipe. And we're highlighting the washing because I'm going to explain it here in just a minute. All right. Getting them open, are they pretty difficult, or are you guys figuring it out? All right, good. All right. Okay. All right. So once have you, once your hands have been washed, we have the carpus, which is, means green with tears, and we're going to have everyone grab a piece of parsley. On their table, there should be eight pieces in the middle of your table. And you're going to take that and dip it twice into the bowl. It's the salt water. And I'm going to tell you what it means. The green stands for life, and the salt water stands for tears. A slave's life is hard. It's full of pain and dirty hands. If you're not rescued from slavery, life is drowned in tears and dirt, just like our life is drowned in tears and dirt when we're not rescued from slavery. The washing of the hands is cleansing of the dirt that they would have had. And then the greens are there to remember or help you remember new life, that new life is come through the tears. So go ahead. After you dip the parsley in the salt water, you may eat it. Wow, there's some people who aren't parsley fans out there. (laughs) Okay, um, it's about to get fun. You need to identify the youngest person at your table. Who is the youngest person at your table? For some of you, it might be easy. For others of you, you might have to be willing to reveal, okay? Now, the youngest person at the table right now, I need you to find... um, the matzah, it's folded up in napkins on the side, and I need you to take the middle piece out, break it in half, take the half that you just broke, I want you to set that on your plate aside, and you can put the other half back in um, the matzah fold, okay? So that's, uh, we'll get back to, this is called the afikoman. Uh, we won't get back to this until the end of the meal, but uh, 
in traditional homes, they would even have the kids go and hide this somewhere in the house. And in essence, the, the child would hold this piece that they just broke off for a ransom. Some of you are so happy that I just called you a child, right? You're like, I'm in the child category today. All right? So is it the opicomen all distributed? Perfect. We'll make more sense of that later. So now the time has come to tell the story of the Passover. There's four key questions that are asked and answered in traditional homes. However, today we're just going to recite the following script. Because this is not a traditional Passover, we want everyone to ask this question or repeat this part together. So it's going to go up on the screen, the Passover story. There arose in Egypt a Pharaoh who knew not of the good deeds that Joseph had done for that country. Thus he enslaved the Jews and made their lives harsh through servitude and humiliation. This is the basis for the Passover holiday, which we commemorate with these different rituals today. Okay, that is the main story. Now, the youngest person at the table would begin by asking very specific questions about the Passover meal. So whoever the youngest person is at the table, you're going to repeat these with me. Nice okay. and loud. Yep, we're going to go up on, up on the screen if you can read it. Why is this night different from all other nights? All right, we've got another question. Ready? On all other nights, we eat either bread or matzah. On this night, why only matzah? Two. On all other nights, we eat herbs or vegetables of any kind. On this night, why bitter herbs? You guys are doing great, number three. On all other nights, we do not dip even once. On this night, why do we dip twice? And our last question, you guys ready? Number four, on all other nights, we eat our meals in any manner. On this night, why do we sit around the table together in a reclining position? Now, all of these questions, that, um, there's a lot of different ways to do the Passover. All of these questions would be answered at some point. In some of the Passover meals, you would ask the question, and then there would be a long discussion about why that was the case. And then the child would ask the next question. Sometimes they would just ask them in a bunch, just like this, and there would be a conversation about it. Like, for instance, why are we reclining? Well, the first Passover, you were supposed to have your cloak tucked in, you had your sandals on, and you were supposed to eat in haste, ready to go, except now they eat reclining because they're free. And because they have this freedom, they want, they want to point out that God has brought us to a place where we don't have to eat in haste, where we can recline and be at comfort and ease with each other. And so they would begin telling this story. This part of the Passover would go on for quite some time. So they're going to recall details of all kinds of things. Now, we found a few that we want to share with you. We, we can't do them all, but we're going to give you pieces, Okay. All right, we're going to recite the following that comes up on the screen. And it starts with, yep, you ready? This is a long one. Okay, here we go. We were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt, and God brought us out with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. And if God had not brought our ancestors out of Egypt, we and our children and our children's children would still be subjugated to Pharaoh in Egypt. 
even if we were old and wise and learned in the Torah, we would still be commanded to tell the story of Exodus from Egypt. And the more we talk about the Exodus from Egypt, the more praiseworthy we are. Uh, I want um, this morning to have a real personal flavor to it. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna change what you just did there. They would do this as a group, what they just read there. I'm gonna change this to something that's more personal for you. And I want you to read through this and put yourself in the place of Israel. This is, this is you. I'm gonna give you just a little bit of time to read that yourself. Remember, although God asked them to tell the story of Israel, this is about you and me. This is about what God did for us in light of the fact that we were enslaved to sin with no way out. So I don't, I don't want you to miss as we talk, as we get into this a little bit further, how valuable this is. They, they would recall everything that God did for them. And um, the one that we just did that would get this thing started uh, we found one that they recited with each other, and we're not sure if it was just one person or if it was a group or how it went. Because uh, we're kind of doing Passover our way, we're going to do it so Tracy and I go back and forth. And this element that they would have used to help tell the Passover story is about God's overwhelming love for them. So I want you to listen to this, and again, I want you to put it in terms of God's overwhelming love for you. Listen to how they would have talked about the Passover. If God would have taken us out of Egypt and not executed judgment upon them, it would have been enough for us. If he would have executed judgment upon them and not upon their idols, it would have been enough for us. If he would have judged their idols and not killed their firstborn, it would have been enough for us. If he would have killed their firstborn, it would have been enough for us and not given us wealth, it would have been enough for us. If he would have given us their wealth and not split the sea for us, it would have been enough for us. If he would have split the sea for us and not let us through on dry land, it would have been enough for us. If he would have let us through on dry land and not drowned our enemies in it, it would have been enough for us. If he would have drowned our enemies in it, and not provided for our needs in the desert for 40 years, it would have been enough for us. They recalled how good God had been to them. And I hope as you're sitting there, you're thinking that God kind of did that for you too. He sent his son, his son died, his son rose. All of that would have been enough. But God went further than that. He put you in a community. He gave you a purpose. He gave you a mission. He adopted you into his family because of an overwhelming sense of love that he has for you. And so this love that he was showing Egypt, he continues to show us as well. Now as part of all of this storytelling of the Passover that they would have done, they, they would even interject songs. They would sing. 
And uh, we're going to do that right now. And I'm going to ask you to sing this song with that overwhelming sense of God's love in your mind as you've recalled what God has done for you to free you from sin. So why don't you stand? We'll sing this song um, just like they would do in a Passover meal, and then we'll keep going. All right. Now we're going to go back to the um, story of, excuse me, I'll have to go back to this. All right. You're going to explain the three things I on the I am. I got lost. I'm so sorry. Okay. I got into the music. Okay. He wanted us to be free from suffering, from the agony of slavery and bondage. He wants us to be free from our own Egypt. Now the story part telling kind of ends. And now there's going to be some explanations about what's on the table. So you're going to look at your plate and we're going to notice that this is a shank bone. Actually, it's really not a shank bone. It's a chicken bone. But... It's to represent the lamb It's the bone. best I could do. Yeah, it, um, Blair didn't want to get 50 lamb bones, so he got chicken bones instead. So there you go. Um, they, they wanted to make sure that people understood that there was a sacrifice that gave its blood so they would be spared from slavery. Then they would point out the matzah and remind, that's this bread, the flat bread, and they would remind everyone that the people had to hurry to make the bread, and there was no time for the yeast to rise. So it was also flat, it also represented the fact that there was humility in that. It was not puffed up like regular bread. Then they would talk about the maro, the bitter herbs. Yep, this white stuff in the middle we haven't gotten to yet. That was mentioned in the first Passover. It was there to help them recall the bitter tears and the pain and the suffering that they endured as slaves. Now, after they do those explanations, which they would do, that would be part of their Passover meal. I love this. They say this. Tradition teaches us that we look upon ourselves as having personally got out of Egypt or personally going out of Egypt. So they were actually um, intending to find a way to put themselves in the story in a personal way too, which is what I'm hoping that you'll do as well. Now they would begin taking elements on the plate. And before they did that, they would partake the second cup. And all of you are gonna join with us. We were gonna have a blessing over the second cup. Um, it's going to be on the screen, and we're going to say this together. Ready? Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. And take that second cup and distribute it among everybody, if you would. Start passing that out. And the second cup, um, let's see. Oh, yes. Uh, the second cup was about God's um, intention to save them. And so they had just told the Passover meal, and now they were remembering that God is intending to save us. He just didn't promise us he's going to save us now. And so once you have that cup all distributed, then you would take that together remembering God is going to save us. So do that, and then we're going to start taking some pieces off the, of the plate. Right, next, we're going to grab the matzah. Sure yes, is everybody it's, taking it's the cup? In, okay. Oh, yeah. After the cup, make sure that you drink it. Go ahead and pick up the matzah packet here. No, and we're going to take the top, the top one. one out. Thank you. All right. In a minute, we're going to break this off. But for right now, we're going to say a prayer, a blessing over the matzah. If you could it's pull that up screen. and scream, we're going to say it together. You ready? Blessed are you. Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his laws 
and commanded us to eat matzah. So we're going to go ahead and break off a piece of the matzah. And then hold on to it. Yep, go ahead. You can break it off. All right, then there's going to be something that's going to remind us of our sin and slavery. After you get that broken up, you're going to take that little piece next to what the white, that white Mara is. It reminds them of... This is the bitter, bitter herb. herb. It's, yeah, that's a key. It is a bitter herb. So, so whatever want- that is, is bitter. So you're going to take this little... <laughs> little um, piece of cracker here, the matzah, and we're going to say a blessing over this bitter herb, and then we're going to dip it into it. So we're going to have that little blessing up on the screen, and this is about the morrow, the bitter bitterness. Okay, you ready? Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his laws and commanded us to eat bitter herbs. Okay, so go ahead and dip that little matzah. Don't eat it yet. Yeah, don't eat it. Dip the matzah into the marrow. Get as much on there as you want. No, just get a little bit on there. Remember, your mama always told you don't take too much. All right, take a little bit on there. (laughs) Okay, this is going to take some courage, and we don't want anyone to get sick. (laughs) But we want to remind you this is not supposed to be pleasant. So once you have that little morrow, the bitterness on your matzah, you're going to pass it to the right and give it to the person next to you. I know. I tried to warn you. I tried to warn you just a little bit. Why? Just a little Why? bit. Because as a slave, you don't get to choose. Yes. You do not get to choose your slavery or your Am bitterness as a slave. So that's why we're passing it around. <laughs> okay. As soon as you pass it to the other person, go ahead yep, and eat. Yeah, then you can go ahead and eat. She thinks I'm evil. I'm having, I love this. He's like, pour it on. And I'm okay, like, Okay, now little... hang in there, hang in there, because there are about to be some relief. Um, if you didn't use up the whole matzah, um, go ahead and break off another piece and pass it around real quick. Make this one a little bigger. So this is a second piece of matzah. If you, need the, if you need the bottom one, you can take the third piece of matzah, but if you don't, everybody get a, a second piece. And there is um, an apple mixture. It's got cinnamon, apples, cranberries, and raisins on it. If you have any allergies, you know. And you want to heap up as much as you can on that as, as, you, as you possibly can on your cracker right now. And uh, this would represent the mortar that Israel would work with. So that's why it's all chunky and all of that sort of thing. And when you take it, it's going to end up being sweet, which seems kind of odd, because why would slavery be sweet? But this is the way they talked about it. They said that even, even their slavery became more sweet to them as their freedom grew closer. And so as God promised them salvation, even the hardship didn't seem as hard anymore. And so they would take this, and that sweet stuff will help clear your mouth out of the bitter taste. So you can take that now um, once you have that. Then the next part, 
Let them take I it. Would, well, yeah, go ahead and take it. But I want someone to try and do this because it gets a little bit complicated if you're not used to peeling eggs. I need someone to volunteer to crack open this egg and get the skin off the outside because we're actually going to eat it. So go ahead and do that, whoever's willing. I hear you cracking. <laughs> okay, so this item was added to the plate around 70 A.D., now, what's significant about the date in history of, in this history of Israel is that at that time, Rome destroyed the temple. Their place to make sacrifices was destroyed, and so the brown egg stood for the burnt offerings they could no longer give, and that's why the color of the egg is brown. The egg was divided between everyone, and it's the second item that's dipped into the salt water here. All right, are we getting it Okay. It's expressing sadness that they no longer can sacrifice. Eggs were also eaten at funerals um, in most Jewish homes. And I imagine that early Jewish Christians would have talked about the fact that they no longer had to be sad, that they didn't have to sacrifice in Rome. They had the sacrifice of Jesus. But it's still part of the modern Passover. So we're going to go ahead and have you divide up the egg as carefully as you can without too many shells. Dip it in the salt and then eat away. But yeah, cut it up. Everybody gets their own little piece, and then you can dip that piece in the salt water. All right, I see people still dicing them up, slicing them up. That's I know, good. With such precision. Oh, still peeling. I know. <laughs> You're fine. Yeah, dip, dip and eat. eat. <laughs> it's like salt on your eggs, guys. It'll be okay. Oh, not going so well. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> now is your egg colored because it's now purplish? <laughs> Good. Pickled eggs. You can tell this isn't a very American meal, right? Because this takes time and people have to sit around and it's leisurely. This would be like a three-hour deal. And so nobody was going anywhere quickly. People are talking about life and, and enjoying these elements and they're remembering. They're remembering all of this stuff. Now, as you, as you take the egg, um, you will have noticed that you've just gone through everything on the plate and... Uh, this would be the beginning of the meal. There would actually be a huge, like, holiday sort of meal where lamb's kind of the center of it, and there would be all kinds of food. And that meal would take quite a long time to eat together, and they would, again, it's, um, be celebrating their freedom and their leisure and all of that sort of stuff. So it would be a very big party at that point. They would get to the end of that, at, at this big meal, and here's where, here's where I think it gets pretty cool. They would bring the broken piece of Apikomen back. So whoever was the youngest who had that broken piece of Apikomen, if you will now take and break off a piece and pass it out to everybody at the table, everybody gets a piece. This was actually considered the dessert of the meal. Don't take it yet. I don't want you to take it yet. You're supposed to take it 
in just a second. So once that afikoman is brought back, and they would sometimes reward the child. They would give him candy or something for bringing it back because this was, a, this was an important part of the meal, and um, you held it for ransom, and now I'm, I've paid you off, and, and you've brought this back for all of us to now eat as our dessert. And this would be taken um, with the third cup. So if somebody could take the third cup and distribute that around to everybody as well. Don't, don't take that cup. Don't eat the afikoman quite yet. We have to do a couple of blessings. So make sure the third cup gets passed out. There's a prayer recited at the end of the meal, and at the end of the prayer, the third cup will be taken. We'll take the third cup with a final piece of matzah, because this is the cup of redemption. People followed him, God the Holy One, into a desert, trusting that he would provide for them. They trusted his provision. And I'm going to recite kind of a long prayer here. And after that, we'll join together for the blessing. It's not going to be on the screen. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. I'll read it. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sustains the entire world with goodness, grace, loving kindness, and compassion. He gives bread to all, for his grace is everlasting. And in his great goodness, we have never lacked anything. And we will never be deprived of food for the sake of his great name. For he is God who provides for all and does good for all and prepares food for all of his creatures that he created. Blessed are you, Lord, who provides for all. God and God of our ancestors, may you remember us on this day of Passover to bless us with kindness and mercy for a life of peace and happiness. We pray that he who establishes peace in the heavens grants peace for us, for all Israel, for all mankind. Let us say together, amen. Amen. Together they would do a blessing on the third cup. That's gonna be on the side screens before we take the third cup in the afikoman. Will you recite this with me? Blessed are you. Lord our God, King of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. And then you would take that afikoman and the wine together, the cup together. What does that remind you of? Communion, right? Yeah. In fact, if you think about it, that middle piece that was broken and then returned uh, has a direct connection to what Jesus did for you and I. Now, if you would ask um, modern-day rabbis or Jewish people who practice the Passover, they would give you an explanation for these three pieces of matzah and for that broken piece that um, are anything and everything but Jesus. And uh, there's still, um, in that community, um, like they practice their tradition, they love the tradition, but they've missed the story that God was trying to tell. In fact, um, the fourth cup highlights that even more. Um, if you've left an opening at your table, which I, if you had the ability to do that, I think that's great. If you didn't, it's okay. But if you could take uh, the fourth cup and just put a little bit of the juice in an empty cup that's sitting at the table at one of those empty seats, would you do that right now? 
And uh, they, they would do this with the fourth cup that they were about um, to serve. And they would say uh, that this cup that's set off to the side that nobody's partaking of is for Elijah. That um, someday Elijah will return. And when Elijah returns, then their Messiah will return and rescue them. And the fourth cup that they take is about um, God making them a nation again. Saying, hey, we, um, we're really nobody without you. And so uh, they have this longing that God would put them together in a way that they're whole and, and right again, uh, but they don't see that in terms of Jesus. Now, here's what I uh, think is pretty cool. It's actually recorded, the Elijah figure in the scriptures, John the Baptist, was recorded saying something about Jesus that I think is worth us recalling. Um, he sees Jesus coming towards him, and he says this about Jesus. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. For us, our hope is not that Elijah would come. He had. Our hope is not that we would be made into a nation. We have. God has actually formed us into a body, a church of believers who have common desires to honor him. And so as you take this fourth cup, uh, I'd like for you to distribute that now around, this cup that would be about asking God to make us a nation, that you would understand that God already has, that God has made us the church and made us a representative of his in the world. And this last and fourth cup that you would take would be the end of the Passover meal. The nation of Israel still hoping, pleading that maybe a Messiah will come for them someday and us knowing that the Messiah has come and has made us into his people. So um, as you think about that, would you take that last and final cup? Okay, we know we left a lot of things out, but we try to give you as big a picture as we could. Um, if, if you wanted to um, bring this alive even more, go and read the story of Israel coming out of Egypt and put yourself in a very personal way in that story as you recall what God did for us at Easter. We hope this, this celebration brings us alive um, for you just a little bit that you'll be able to think about what God did on your behalf to free you. Uh, why don't we pray, and then we're gonna close with a song. Uh, God, I'm grateful that um, what this meal represents to me, uh, to so many of us, is a God who already pursued us, who out of love for us, extravagant love for us, brought us freedom and then didn't just give us freedom, but brought us into a family and gave us purpose and meaning, adopted us into his own family. God, there is so much to be thankful for. And as we celebrate your death and your resurrection, ask that you would help us to remember that we were slaves to sin with no hope until God, until you showed up. And the bitter herbs that we used to eat are gone. And the 
mortar that we used to step in as slaves is over. And now we are free. God, may um, Easter not just be another holiday about bunnies and candy and all of that stuff. May we remember, like Israel of old, how good you have been to us. In Jesus' name, amen.